In this episode, we do a game review of Sagrada and Ex Libres. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons and Magic. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some. That, that's probably our best. Lot that, that's, 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 our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all inclusive, members only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium. In Imperio. Now to our show. Hey, geeks! Welcome to Geeks of Cascadia, episode 25. Woo-hoo. I am here with our podcast hosts. Um, still Paul. I'm Doug. And I am the Costasaurus. And Kelly's somewhere in here. Where is In the Kelly? store. We're in our sound studio here at, <laughs> um, at uh, Lake Stevens here at Games Plus. Thank you, Games Plus, for doing this. You're welcome. And of course, we are your <laughs> podcast. I'm going to read this thing to... Uh, you know, tabletop news, developers, interviews, reviews, con news, anything that's geeky that's related to tabletop gaming. So here we are. Steve went to Gen Con once. I, I knew it was going to come eventually, so I thought I I'd did. throw it up now. And I have been invited to go Gen Con again, so I might go with a, my media badge. Very cool. It'll be special. Yeah, that's pretty cool. cool. And when you get a media badge, you get free coffee there. Coffee is also that's very nice. That's right. like that is the biggest perk of going all the way to that con. Definitely is the free coffee. Oh yeah, I'm doing. It's worth the. Now I'm gonna go. I think it's worth the twelve hundred dollars I have to and shell out to get there. Sixty thousand closest friends. Yeah, <laughs> and then you can, right. and then you can get the same game that everyone else gets. You just get it a month early. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, it's about two weeks early. Oh, okay. Oh, but I get to talk to cool developers. <laughs> uh, I know I've given it a hard time. No, yeah. I've heard it's a no, great. It's really I've heard cool. it's a great it show, is. and the people that I know that have gone have really, really liked and it. And last time we got lots of great content for the pod. Yes. But Doug, the store is hopping. What's going on here today? So today we have. Yeah, I get <laughs> like a chance it never to talk. Happens. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, today we have a uh, preliminary Pro Tour qualifier mm-hmm. for Pro Tour Minneapolis for. I think it's the set after for Core 2018. It's, it's what for, game? It's called. It's Magic. Magic. Oh, okay, there oh, you go. Okay. Yeah, magic. Yeah, that makes like, sense. It was all this tour, <laughs> tour, pro, and I'm like, what, for what? Right. It's, okay. it's a qualifier right. to qualify for the next pro tour oh, for cool. Magic. So we got some con news. So, um, Joe, what do we got for con news? So we have a couple cons coming up. So Emerald City Comic Con from the day of this recording just ended a week ago, which was amazing. I didn't get to go. I'm very sad. It was really good. I actually got to see a couple children's book um, authors, too, that cool. do some really cool comics from my classroom. Mm-hmm. Phoebe and the Unicorn, which is a great one, and it's great. My students love it. It's great for adults. Um, she was there, and so I got to get pictures with her, and she signed some stuff from my classroom. So, in That's regards to cons in the past... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so bad. Hey, can you sign this? Sign it out to Dear, and then just leave it blank. Yes, I'll fill that Thank in Thank you. Um, well, what we have coming up here in just a couple weeks is down in the lovely state of Portland... Well, that'd be a city, technically. But in the state of Oregon, is <laughs> there so is... Teacher, right? Okay. There is GameStorm. It's the capital of Portland. The capital Joe. of Portland is America. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Portland's we have GameStorm down there from April 5th 
to the 8th, and that is just a big game convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people that go down there that really like it. Um, I don't necessarily know how big it is, but people really like it. So if that's something you're interested in, you can go to GameStorm.org. And I know that's going to be at the Red Lion Jansen Beach. And that's in the lovely city of Portland in the state of Oregon, in the country of America, in the world of Earth. Well, Portland can be a state of mind. Wow. That was deep. Yeah. Yeah. And those, that's what's near near term. I don't know. And then uh, we've got some stuff coming up. But of mm-hmm. course, OrcaCon. What yep. do we got for Orca? Right around the so corner. Right around the corner. <laughs> right. OrcaCon is only in 10 months. And <laughs> registration is open. Um, we still have... It, there's still early bird registration going on. Um, not early, early, early registration, but early registration. Um, and that for the three-day passes for adults 17 and over, that's $60. Three-day pass for children is $50. And that's children are considered 6 to 17. Five and below is Rizzo, All right. which is the cool right. term for free. Yes. So, and we have that coming up. What was that? Nothing. Okay. Just <laughs> making, making fun of your joke, but yeah. Oh, that's okay. I'm so cool and I know that. Yes, and that is not Martin Luther King Jr. weekend this year. Which Mm -hmm. is a little sad, but you know what? I'm going to get over it. And, yeah. That's it? Well, this means January 11th to 19th, or 13th. Oh, 11th to 19th would be amazing. Oh, God. We'd be exhausted. Yeah, January 11th to 13th. (laughs) And I do want to put a little plug. I don't know if you have Dragonflight in there, but uh, that's in August, so look that up. It's one of our sponsors, so, of course, we want to give a shout-out to Dragonflight. So, um, what, what have you guys done? We've been away from our listeners We've, for yeah. about three weeks now. Yeah. I really want to apologize to all you. We've been really super busy. Uh, but for this show, um, thanks to Doug and Kelly, we've got yep. some content from Game Reviews. Um, Thank yeah. you. But we don't have any cool interviews, but we will have one probably in about two weeks. Uh, who, who, who are we trying to get? Uh, she is in charge. I don't want to drop her name right now, just in case. Yeah, you But she is in charge of uh, the Pathfinder Society uh, around this area. And right now she's traveling out of the country to another convention. Wow. And oh, she's okay. going straight from there to Gamma next week, which is a huge thing. Well, hopefully she'll have some insight to uh, Pathfinder 2.0 now, right? Yeah, Pathfinder 2nd Edition just got announced. So what so. do you think about that, wow. Doug? you think that the 2.0 is kind of the answer to uh, D&D's 5.0? Or what, what do you think? I wouldn't know how to compare them because haven't played Pathfinder. At all? At all. Huh. I figured only, you would have played that. Only D&D. Nope. Okay, well, we're not going to offend our Pathfinder <laughs> listeners out there. I, I hear Pathfinder is pretty good. I have not played it myself, so... Uh, now, my only uh-huh. thing is, and I've not played it either, but I'm honestly surprised that only now there's a second edition. It's been out for a while, hasn't it, Pathfinder? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know... I mean, it came out just after 3.5 went to the open gaming license. Yep. 3.5. So, 3.5. D&D 3.5. Oh, okay. Well, so wow. that's at least almost ten years. So. Wow. Yeah, surprising. So, with the mm-hmm. is is it with what has been released so far about it, um, in news or anything? Is the reception good? Is it bad about the changes? What have you heard? I haven't seen anything. I've heard a few people talking around in my own D and D group that we have here, and also um, from her the mm-hmm. Pathfinder Society. Um, it's kind of a big deal. We'll have to see what actually the rules change mm-hmm. are from rules. it. Mm-hmm. See how it affects 
the play. If it's kind of adapting the Starfinder rules to be more mm-hmm. Pathfinder, because I know Starfinder took a huge step away from Pathfinder from okay. players that oh. have played both. So, so we'll how, just have to kind of wait and see. And how is Starfinder doing? I mean, there was a big jump in sales, and uh, what is it looking like now? It seems like, has it died off? Have you seen... I, I have not seen anyone play it here. I haven't seen anyone play it here. We're still trying to get a sit-down to kind of try and play it. Kelly picked up a module to kind of look through and everything as we're talking about That's right. we got to schedule that. We keep on talking about that. And if there's any listeners out there, make sure you can email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com or tweet us and let us know. Are you playing Starfinder? How how, how do you like it? Good to know. And that's a good point because I'm hearing a lot of people like being like, yeah, man, I'm going to pick up Starfinder. I'm so excited. And yeah, I'm excited about Starfinder. And then reading some stuff online, but then I never have seen someone play it or have talked to somebody who's played it yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting like there's all this buzz about it, but then I have not ran into a single person who's played and it. Getting yet. a role playing group together is just not easy or keeping one together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a serious commitment is what it sounds like. Yeah, the RD&D group has more people who used to be part of it than are currently. Mm-hmm. I know lot. that <laughs> there's been groups trying to get started even with me and I'm very new to it and the only thing mm-hmm. is just like I I can't always commit to like the same time the same day every week it's just the only thing I can really do that is our Monday's thing but other than that it's just like I never know kind of like with your job it's like you never know what meetings you have and so it's hard well and if the listeners want to get an in-depth kind of review into Starfinder actually we've got uh, well not really review but kind of how it was developed we've got episode 10 if you go back, you can listen to Owen Casey Stevens, who is the developer of uh, Starfinder, and kind of get the details of that, how how it came about. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can get touch on that. But we also have two, again, I said I think we had two reviews uh, this episode. So, Doug, what, can you fill us in what, what we expect out of these reviews? So one of the reviews is Sagrada. Uh, it's based on... Sounds like the, a drink. Not really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a place in the Playboy Mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no. Maybe. No. no. Okay. But like the basement under the grotto. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the secret undergrotto. Like the Almost like the subgrotto. The subgrotto. Yeah. I see where you're going. Okay. No. It is um, about building stained glass windows in uh, one of the churches in Sagrada. Oh, uh, so okay. you are rolling dice and drafting dice and building uh, a certain pattern on your card that kind of matches the stained glass window because all the dice are translucent and see-through. And mm-hmm. it's it's a nice strategy cool. game. It it's looks really pretty. It's it really does, fulfilling. Yeah. Like when you get those different dice to fit, and you get a certain row, or whatever. You're like, ah, it just feels good. You just it's very it's a very fulfilling game. I felt like especially yeah. the first and easy to learn, mm-hmm. which was really nice from a game starter. It's, it's hard to kind of master because there's. We'll talk about it in the review. There's sure. different. Yeah. And who uh, and uh, who won that one? Was it you or Kelly? Who won that one? I think Kelly won that by about five or six points. You know, you should keep tight? track of like who wins these game reviews. I'd be interested. Okay. And whoever wins can yeah. wear a hat. Just there you go. Okay. Just throw it on right. BG stats. <laughs> right. And then, and what yeah. about the next game? Next one we have is Ex Libris. Uh, I wanted to check yeah. it out. Yeah, that's it's another one. Renegade Game Studios game that we're reviewing. Uh, but it's tableau building, and you're building up your collection of books, which are represented on cards. And you kind of have to put them in, uh, you actually have to put them in alphabetical order, but also pay attention to the different categories of books that you're having. Because there's some that are going to be, if you have the most of them, you get a bunch of points. There's banned books, so you don't want to have too many of them in your library. <laughs> Fahrenheit. <laughs> and making sure that yeah. your, your collection isn't too 
spread out because you had a bill. Was there like a Dewey Decimal System buff card you can get? Not quite, no, but uh, each card is mm-hmm. very simple to read with the letters and how many cards of that letter there are. So. Is there any like player variable like player powers like do you get like your librarian glasses or like your like long gray skirt or something like that that lets you there's (laughs) like this is based on you're like you're a librarian right and you're doing those you know do you like is do you get your shard and so you no 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 not like that you have your your own personal libraries they can just be the basic oh, ones for learning the game. Or you cool. have it set in a different location. And you have your own special worker meeple that you get to use right. and okay. place in the game. Does so. your worker meeple have a bun for hair? They all look different, man. Oh, man. There's, a, there's a gelatinous cube that's just a, a translucent Ooh. cube. Okay, that aligns with librarians. There's, a, there's I a robot. Them. There's a wizard Same. with a, a hat. There's right. a snake. Because we see those in the library yeah. all the time. All librarians are wizards anyways. Yes. So that makes sense. Well, I'm glad they stuck thematically with that. No, that's mm-hmm. very good. I, I see that they have Republic Library all the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, time. you see Republican Library? No, re- no <laughs> ever. I don't want to go there. Public Library, yes. Yes. Okay. Don't go in the public restroom. Anyway, so, Dougie, which one do you want to do first? you want to do... Uh, uh, let's do Sagrada first. Let's yeah. do Sagrada. So, let's do that right now. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey, geeks. Tuning in live. Coming at you somewhat live. We're here with another Geeks Tabletop Game Review at Games Plus in Lake Stevens. Woohoo! I am Doug. And I am Kelly. And today we've got a really nice game for you by the name of Sagrada. Yeah. This was a game Kickstartered 2016? Quick. To come out in... It came out last year. Google's in your pocket. It's, it's somewhere in my pocket. <laughs> it came out a while ago. It was very popular when it did. Yeah. Uh, I know at some times our rep was saying like you could buy it off the shelf and sell it for more on Amazon or eBay. It's one of those crazy games. But now that the market is kind of stabilized and everything, uh, it's more available now. Yeah. It's based off of uh, the cathedral. The Sagrada Cathedral. Okay. That's good to know. So we are building I, I stained glass windows for the cathedral. For I couldn't tell you if it's the cathedral is called Sagrada or if it's in some town in Sagrada. I... Something like that. Uh, but this is a dice drafting, window crafting game, like it says on the front of the box. Uh, it's designed by Daryl Andrews and Adrian Adamescu. Uh, I think it's first-time designers. Sagrada is the sure. family that did the stained glass for the cathedral. All right. I found it. I'm not going to do this again with my pets. Uh, <laughs> illustrations by Peter Walken, and there are some really nice illustrations on the different stained glass uh, in the in the box art and in the game art, which is really nice. On the board pieces. And the board pieces, yeah. And this was published by Floodgate Games. Uh, they did their own thing on Kickstarter, like I said before. I think this is their first game. Uh, you can check them out, floodgategames.com. This game is is really good. So it's a game for one to four players. Uh, there is solo rules. I think they don't use the favor tokens and a few other 
mixture of rules. spend dice instead of favor tokens. Okay. I can see that happening. Not bad. Uh, we played it a few times at two and three players. Not quite four players. Yeah, I don't think I've played it four players yet. Yeah. Uh, it's about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Like always, we breeze through it uh, pretty quickly in about 20 or 25 minutes. Because uh, we're, we're used to playing games kind of like this, so... It's not that hard for us to understand things. It's but just I think another game, dog. It's, it's just another, another game. game. Yeah, and the, the slew that we go through on a monthly basis. Um, so it's not that difficult to teach. Rules are fairly simple. It's just how to get these dice into my board so I don't have problems later yeah. is, is a big deal. Which is why it recommends 13 plus for the age. Is It is a lot of strategy. Uh, Making sure that you have different numbered pips in rows or columns, different colors in rows and columns. Your same color dice can't touch. Your same shade of dice can't touch. All these little... And by shade you mean a number of pips on it. Yes. Yeah. In, in, the, in the game, the shade refers to the different number of pips on the die. Yeah. And this game's only 40 bucks, thirty nine ninety nine. Uh Translucent dice. They're translucent dice. They're very dice. pretty dice. That's about 60. I know Steampunk Rally comes with roughly the same number of dice, and it's also the same cost. Uh, and it's yeah, got so cardboard components. So it's roughly. Because, uh, as a always, good deal. we only recommend the best games at the best price points. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So in this game, uh, it's going to be played over a different number of rounds until. I think it's 10 rounds it is? Uh, until you, Yeah, you take two dice per round until you're window is full. Yeah. So 10 rounds. If you can fill it. So 10 rounds. If you can fill it. That is yeah. absolutely true. Uh, to start the game, we randomly get two different double-sided designs that we pick one, and they have very varying difficulties based on this requires this numbered pip on this space and these colors on these spaces, and it's, it's a whole different designs, and you have multiples of them to choose from. Difficulty uh, increases based on the number of required colors or shades uh, in that pane. And how many? There's a couple in there that are just, you need seven red dice. And that, three yellow That could ones. be pretty hard, yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that in one game that we played, I don't think we saw more than eight red dice between the two of us. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. So once you pick your design, you'll get a number of favor tokens. Favor tokens are used for special abilities uh, using tools. Then everyone gets a secret objective. Typically it is... They're all colors. They're all colors, so you'll get a number of points equal to the sum of the pips of those colored dice. Uh, and then we'll deal out three public objectives, and these deal with collecting sets of different numbers, sets of different colors, how you organize the different columns of your stained glass window, lots of varying things. Uh, to give different amount of points. And then there's three different tools that are used out to kind of bend the rules a little bit. Uh, in the game we just played, we had draft another die immediately, which if you're the person going first and you want the two dice that will make the spaces... Uh, especially late game your, when you have especially you late game fit things in places because of restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's three different tools to kind of let you bend the rules a little bit in one way or another, kind of move things around on the board and ignore things as well. So those are useful. Uh, so each round, uh, whoever's first player, and this will go it rotating around, yeah, the, it around the board, uh, they're going to draw a number of dice equal to the number of players times two. 
plus one. So there's always going to be one. Uh, everyone's going to get two dice, and then there's going to be one left over. So the last person who picks doesn't have, well, I guess I'm getting this one. Yeah. They don't they get options. screwed over. as yeah. It's harder to do so, actually. And the way that the drafting works is the first player is going to roll it. They're going to pick one. It's going to go around the table. And then it's going to come back around the table, starting with the last person. So the first player gets first and last pick. Mm-hmm. Which I think is nice. That's kind of like uh, the Catan setup rules. Yeah. When they're placing out on the board. So that's not that bad. And then once you draft a die, you place it on your board. There are certain restrictions, like I said before. This space can only be this color. This space can only be this number of pip. And you also have to watch out for... The other dice. The other dice that you have on the board. And the way that you start your board, you can start from anywhere along the edge. And you can only ever place... Uh, adjacent to another die. So as you're going, you're starting from the edge and then you're moving inward. Yeah, just like you would build a normal piece of stained glass. You can't start in the middle, usually. Usually. Sometimes. I've never done it. Uh, you can also use favor tokens. Some of them have restrictions uh, on when to use them. As you draft the dice uh, versus uh, before you draft the dice... Or move something. Yeah. Things like that. So you're always watching out for restrictions on where you can place your dice and what to do like that. Uh, and then once everyone's picked, the last die that's remaining goes on the round marker to signify that that round is over. Well, some of the tools actually let you switch out with previous dice. I have seen those tools. They're, they're pretty useful, uh, especially later in the game. You can try and take one of the old dice. And switch it, it with your board. current ones, yeah. Yeah. So, at the end of the game, once everyone has drafted through ten rounds, we'll go through scoring. Everyone will score their public objectives, or the public objectives. Yeah. Then score the private ones. I don't... It's weird that we did it in that order. I don't think it matters between public and private, really. Well, I guess, technically, you already vaguely know what your opponent's public objective score is. Mm -hmm. How well they were doing uh, based on those requirements. You just do them. I wasn't even watching you when we were playing on how you were doing your public objectives. Kind of. I mean, I helped you out. I'm like, just move the one, Doug. That way you don't have two ones at the column. Yeah, that was You would have been another four else. points behind. Yeah. Oh, well. And then you score favor tokens. You get a point for every uh, unspent favor token that you have. And then you'll lose points for each open space on your board. Now, if you ever had to draft a die... I don't think we went over this. If you ever had to draft a die and you can't place it... It goes back in the bag. It goes back in the bag. So you are losing points from that and then whoever has the most points after that wins I forget what tiebreakers was I think it was um, the most points from private objectives so not bad Uh, yeah most points from private objectives it was the tiebreaker it was the tiebreaker but I also feel like favor points are tiebreakers too favor points in the empty spaces yeah yeah that could be true However you wanted to do it. I mean, they're only worth one point each. Yeah. So that's and it's, enough to nudge you over. And I mean, if you pick a really hard board and Which don't is what use I did. any of your favorite tokens... You're like, I'm going to do an easy one, and I'm not ever going to use my favorite tokens. And then you did. And you then were the I did only one who did. And I picked a hard board and kept all of my favorite tokens. Whatever. Better this game than you are, Doug. 
Thanks, Kelly. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm, I'm better at you than some games. Well, yeah, like Majesty. Like Majesty, yeah. That was a pretty good one. But we're getting off track. So, <laughs> what do you like about this game? What do you don't like about this game? It's very pretty. There was a lot of thought and effort went into designing the windowpane scoreboard and the windowpane player board and all of the dice are translucent and it very lots of thought went into the illustration of this game. Are you just going to buy it based on artwork? You have. I've done that on some games, yes. <laughs> and I have not felt bad about it. Isn't that how we ended up with five tribes? That's one of them. <laughs> that one I bought mostly based on the mechanic, and I still like the mechanic on that. The other one I bought based on artwork was Happy Pigs. <laughs> and I am not ashamed that I like Happy Pigs just because of the artwork. Uh, I mean, the box is very pretty, too. Yeah. There's the artwork, there's the replayability, there's the different... You have different setups that you can do for the different... Different tools, different, different objectives. Yeah, different patterns you can get for building your window, all of that stuff. I think there was like 15 or so double-sided yeah. cards that you could pick from, so not bad on that. Um, the only thing I have against it a little bit is some of the colors on the cards. My brother's colorblind, my grandpa's colorblind, a lot of people in my family are colorblind, so it's one thing's one thing to kind of watch out on that. Yeah. And it's a color-based game. Yeah, so it's a little thing to worry about that. I don't think it's too bad depending on what colorblindness you have. Uh, I think red green. Oh, you, you sent the picture to your brother. I right? sent the picture to my brother. He's pretty good. He was pretty okay picking out the red and the green. So that's not that bad. But it's but just it's, something to, to worry about. I, I can see how reading the scoreboards would be annoying. Yeah, you just get someone else to do that. Not <laughs> somebody, him. Somebody else can do the scoring. <laughs> Definitely. Other than that, it's a great game. Uh, I like it. We'll be playing it sometime in the future for game night. I'm we, pretty sure. We played it already for game night. That was back when it came out. <laughs> we can do this going forward. I mean, it lives on the game shelf. You can come by and play it whenever. Yeah, exactly. Just like Majesty and no. all of our other shelf of games. Anything last? Any other words to say? I think it's a unique premise. Or not it's not entirely unique, but the dice drafting element. And people do drafting in various different game styles. Seven Wonders drafts, game, uh, drafts your cards. But drafting your dice is a little bit different. You haven't played role player and I think that's one we need to sit you down to play. It's you you draft a, a role player. Or it's you draft a D&D a okay. &D character okay. using dice. Okay. Cuz you get you get your four dice for each of your was abilities. Was it before or after Sagrada? Which it is was, the one we're reviewing right now. We'll review it down the line. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. I like it. It's pretty good. Okay. Other than that Thanks for listening in. This has been Doug and Kelly for Geeks Tabletop Game Review. If you've got any requests, shoot us an email at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com yeah. or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeksofcascadia or facebook.com slash gamespluswa. Thanks. Bye, guys. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Dragonflight, a tabletop games convention dedicated to promoting the educational and social benefits of gaming in the Pacific Northwest. Sign up now for the August 24th 
through 26th Convention at the Bellevue Hilton at dragonflight.org. Now back to our show. That was a really cool interview and review of Sagrada. Um, again, I played it a few times and it was it was great. And so, what was your biggest takeaway? Like, what was the thing you liked the most about it, or that stood out the most? Um, well, when I played it, I kind of made it my mission not to use any of the cheat cards, any of the tools. Mm-hmm. But kind of as the game was progressing, you gotta pay for them, yeah, yeah. And I took one of the easy ones because I was learning the game where Kelly had played it. But towards the end of the game, I had to use a few of them, but it wasn't that bad because I was able to fill out my card with all of my dice. So nice. Uh, plus, it's random what comes out for what tools you get, so you're not quite uh, going to play the same game with those tools. Okay. So, so there's replayability. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Because each of the uh, cards that you get for your stained glass window, it's double sided. Okay. And there's like. Cool. 15 or so cards. Hmm. So. And you never. And the thing is, you never know what dice you're going to pull out either. So there's that variability there as well. So you take that into account with the power cards like you were talking about. Um, yeah, there's... Each time I played it, it was different, and I would try different strategies. Cool. So, yeah, it's cool. And how does it compare to other games? Is there another game that you can compare it to? Or? Um, there's Role Player, which is similar, mm-hmm. where you're also kind of drafting dice to build your mm-hmm. role-playing character. Cause, Ooh, cool concept. Because you know how you, you build a D&D character, you roll 46, mm-hmm. take the three highest. You are drafting those dice mm-hmm. to put in for your ability scores. Oh, and based okay. on your, your class, you have certain requirements to meet to gain points. And okay. then there's a different color pattern oh, okay. that you can get to get more points. So, And I've not played it yet. I backed their, their, kick, their expansion to get the the also to get the base and I wish I backed it the first time but it's cool like yeah all you're doing is building a character a D&D okay. or whatever a character the whole time it's cool it's a cool concept well I'm now addicted to that now that I've discovered D&D Beyond and just announced what yesterday there's a D&D Beyond app in beta oh yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah that's pretty cool I gotta get in D&D Beyond I don't even know what oh, D&D so Beyond is is it it's so it's a uh, an update to their D&D Insider tools, which that was... Um, I don't know what that is. ...tools for making 4th edition characters. Okay. But this is... It's not D&D Insider, it's D&D Beyond, where it's all of their 5th edition stuff where you can subscribe uh, to get benefits like campaigns that you're running through uh, that you can save with characters. Mm-hmm. You get more character slots. But you can also purchase... Um, this is- all paper? This is No, this is all online. It's all online. Mm-hmm. It's all online. DNDBeyond.com. Yes. Not sponsored. And you can um, create characters. <laughs> yeah. You've got a character creation <laughs> But if thing, they'd like to sponsor us. Or you can go through it. It helps you through all that. Yeah. There's a drop-down boxes. Okay, so but it's not, a, it's not a game. It's, it's not, not a game. No, no, no. no. It, it allows so you to It's a digital platform yeah. to create the paper example of for your characters. And, mm-hmm. and there's video, informational okay. videos and articles. Like That's cool that there's like cool stuff. tools. Like there's, you can also digitally purchase all of the books. So you can nice. easily search through mm-hmm. the books and find yes. the information that you cool. need from them. And uh, don't forget, listeners, that uh, May 18th is Morden Cadence, or Morden Cadence, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's Tome Cadence. of Foes, and that's coming out May 18th. Now, May 18th is a date that you get it actually before when it comes out to the general public. But you got to do it through your game store, and you get a variant cover. Yeah, hit us up. We've got so some. So please yes. do that. My name is on the list and at Games uh, Plus right now. And, of course, uh, 
We've, I think you've got yours reserved someplace I'm at else. around the table, but, yeah. But we are. I'm really excited to uh, do that. I you, mean, you didn't yeah. even say it, but it is the same price as the regular version, so yeah. you might as well try and get that right if you can. Right. Yeah. And uh, how many people signed up so far? I yeah. think we've got five out of the seven pre-orders wow. picked up. When do you have to send in that number, or does, do they just give you a set? Oh, I already put in that number already. Oh, okay. So, so what if somebody comes up and wants to do it right now? They, I have two spots left. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, But if those get filled up, they kind of go on a waiting list okay. to see if I can okay. get more. Uh, okay. Well, then you shouldn't uh, hesitate. You should come down there and put yep. your name on the list. Yeah. So what about the next game, Ex Libre? Next game, yeah, Ex Libre. All right, let's, uh, let's do that right about now. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. We're back with another Geeks Tabletop Game Review uh, in at Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. I am Doug, and I'm always here joined by Kelly. Hey, guys. Uh, today we're doing Ex Libris. It is a worker placement tableau card game uh, from developer Adam P. McIver, who's done a few other games, mostly print and plays, uh, including Coin Age, which it's, it's a card, and you just use spare change out of your pocket to play the game. A little along the lines of cheap-ass games. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Plus, he, he's done Vector, which is similar to not so much as Android Netrunner. It's kind of along the same lines as that, but it plays a lot differently than the card game. It's kind of the same premise, but different. Moving on. Moving on. It's got artwork <laughs> from uh, Jackie Davis, who has done quite a few games, a few popular games, including Vitaculture and Euphoria from Stonemaier Games. And the artwork on here absolutely fits the premise of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's quite beautifully done. Yeah, very good. And it's published by Renegade Game Studios. Woohoo, Renegade Games. Yay! They do a Clank. lot of games. Clank, Lotus. Our other new favorite. Fuse. Like most of their games, I recommend to people just starting out. So oh, yeah. They do Go to recommends. Lots of great stuff. So Ex Libris uh, is a worker placement tableau bu- building. You pointed at a thing, and I don't know what you pointed at. Player count. Right. Uh, it plays one to four players, so there is a solo version of this. However, it doesn't quite hit that awkward five, uh, which is, but it plays perfectly at four, just as it does it at one. Uh, it recommends ages 10 and up, and it plays about 45 minutes. And the price point is $60, uh, which it feels a little high. And then you take a look at the fact that every single book in the illustrations has a different name and every card is different and it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. plus it's got the all the different specialty meeples with it as well for the different libraries that you have and the different assistants oh, yeah. so they definitely went the extra mile for this stuff mm-hmm. so in ex libris the mayor of the village has announced a new seat on the village council oh there's a story there's a story <laughs> yeah it's not just a random collection of books who cares? You can collect books. Yeah, but he's announced the seat of the Grand Librarian. So you are working to build up your personal collection to be the best in the town. Because there are other rivals in the town gunning for that position. So players will send out their assistants to the different locations in the village. Worker in order to Yes, worker placement. In order to source the best books, which you will then shelve into your collection, the tableau building aspect of it. 
uh, in order to end up with the most extraordinary collection at the end of the game. So we're looking at a couple of things. Uh, where you want to uh, put your assistance, where you want to send your assistance out, which does uh, add upon itself each round. So each round you actually end up with uh, three more buildings, one of which will stick around, and then three new buildings, uh, depending on the number of players. But mm-hmm. usually there's... Uh, you get new places to go with your assistance every round. Uh, so it does change a little bit, and your strategy will evolve. Uh, then we're also looking at, when you send them out, they want to come back with the best books. You're looking to shelve things in alphabetical order. Well, not the main focus, at the end of game, you will get discredited, or your books will get tossed out, uh, if they are out of alphabetical order. So you want to make sure you shelve them in order. So you want to make sure your assistants come back with the Ds that come after the Cs, not the Bs that you've already shelved. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And these cards are actually really nice. The All the information that you need on them is basically along the top. Uh, but there are funny names on the books as well that you can have a little laugh at as you play the game. In every cloud, there is a silver mining. Yes. That one's pretty good. <laughs> so each card, it has the letter of the books that are on it. It also has the number and... The uh, tattletale heart. <laughs> has the number order and the letter quantity because each letter of books has a different... Or each letter will have a different number of books uh, that cards. are out there. Cards, books, Technically. however you want to talk about it. Well, each card it's, contains three to four books. I think it's like 500 or so books spread out over 150-some cards. Yeah. So there's a lot of books. But this lets you easily make sure that the cards that you're placing into your shelves are in alphabetic order, just by comparing these three numbers. Yes. Plus it also has icons for the different types of categories that there are. Uh, there's six. There's Fantastical Fictions. Monster Manuals. Monster Manuals, Corrupted Codices. Uh, reference texts. Spells and potions. And historical volumes. Yeah, so definitely lots of things. So a few things to pay attention to as you play the game. We've talked about it before. There's alphabetic order. you got to worry about shelf stability. Because as you're building your shelves, you're limited to just three shelves. And it's the largest square in which you'll get victory points. So if you end up with a 2 by 5 that gives you 10 points as opposed to picking your 2 by 3 which only gets you six points. Mm-hmm. It's whatever your largest square is. Yeah, you want to kind of have them clumped together so it's easy to browse through, as you would say. Then there's prominent works and banned books. These will be different categories that you need to watch out for. Prominent works you want to collect the most of because having the most will get you And a the lot mayor will award you points based on that. Yeah. Banned books, you get negative points, and you got to watch out for these. Because yeah. it'll give you negative points for each book you have. But you also want to make sure that your library is diverse. You want It's called categorical variety, but it's really just diversity in literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to make sure that you have a little bit of everything that isn't banned. About an, yeah, an even amount of everything because you'll gain points for that at the end of the game. And everyone's going to get dealt a secret library focus that they want to be collecting these types of books as they're building their library. Now, the rounds played over uh, a certain number of rounds. You're playing until someone has a certain number of cards until in their collection. Until somebody's library gets big enough, yeah. Yeah. And there's four easy phases to go through. You've got the prep phase, where, as Kelly said before, you'll deal out a certain number of locations for each player. Yep. Um, you'll deal out cards in case some of those have you deal out cards onto them. 
Then you get into the placement phase, worker placement, like always, you place your worker one at a time at a location. And everyone's got their own personal library that gives them... So there's always a place that you can go to. Yeah. You can draw a card or shelve a card just so you have a place to go to. There are some instant effects on locations and some delayed effects. Instant effects will get played immediately, while the delayed effects get... At end of round. uh, Into the next phase, the resolution phase. Yeah, things like the auction house where you can bid on books... Uh, but that happens at the end of the phase because somebody might outbid you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't immediately get your books by sending your worker there. Mm-hmm. And even the... What was the one we the messed up house? last time? Yeah, the draft house. It happens we, at the end. Not every yeah. time a worker gets placed there. Yeah, it was pretty broken every time. Because we can read. Way. Yeah. Small things like that. But we'll get to that as we go to the pros and cons. Also, during the resolution phase, once all of the delayed effects have been resolved... In numeric order, it does say that to do in numeric order. You'll discard any remaining cards left on locations, and then everyone gets their workers back. And you go to the cleanup. You'll take the location, one of the new locations with the lowest numerical value, and it becomes a permanent location. Uh, Typically, in the first round, that's the Divner's Hut, where players can take the first player uh, marker from other players. Yeah. You do want to make sure you are shelving books every round, and rather than collecting a bunch of books uh, in your hand. If you're not shelving, if you're not shelving, you will fall behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it does come down to uh, ultimately who put the most books in their library, that's one of the things to worry about. Yeah. Now the game comes with some gameplay variants. There's obviously the beginner game. this on like Monday. You use the simple libraries uh, on the back of each of the advanced libraries. They don't give you any specialty uh, workers to use. It's basically simple, very easy to play. Plus it also takes out some of the more complicated locations from the location deck. But you definitely don't want it a beginner game or a teacher mm-hmm. game. There's also the friendlier game where you can take out some of the direct conflict cards. Like, like the tax collector. The tax collector, the auction house, the gambler's den. All of that stuff. And then there's a longer game where you can play to have more cards uh, to trigger the end of the game. It also has solo play like we talked about before. It's you are playing against the public library. And there's a few different things to set up during that uh, to make it play. But it plays almost exactly the same as a regular game. It's just... The discarding part of it is each round... The public library is better at collecting books than you are. Yeah, because it's it's donations in the form of discarding cards from the draw deck of books. So, it's not too difficult. I definitely want to try and play it Yeah, more than once, uh, just to see how it is. And it has a... We should really do this on Monday when there's not people here. It has a varying level of difficulty uh, for however hard you want to play the game. So... Otherwise, uh, pros and cons. We talked about the artwork. I like yeah, the artwork. Yeah, the artwork's really good. It is very pleasing to the eye. Oh, just to read some more book names because they're great. Poorly Translated Tales. Mm-hmm. There's, um... Positive Politicians That Didn't Ruin Anything. Tonics for Better Phonics. Cucumbers. The Vicious Vegetable. Yeah, we should probably do this on Monday. <laughs> Alright, Doug, so pros and cons. 
Uh, pros, I definitely like the artwork. That's one of the things that kind of drew me towards this game. And oh, yeah. I, I tend There's to like the, that about games. The covers, stacks of bookshelves everywhere and ladders everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the art, all of the books on the cards are all different formats, different names. We got a good laugh about all of the different titles on them. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. Tonics for phonics. <laughs> Didn't you already say that one? I said that one earlier, yeah. That was like my great... Or the, the illustrated guide for invisible illustrations. The other one was invisible beasts and how to see them. <laughs> that one's pretty nice, it's yeah. Just a fantastic beast. I also like the replayability about the game. You can play it with a basic game with just the basic libraries Please. and random locations like always. Simply because the random locations, you're yeah. going to have a different game every time. It's really odd to see like the uh, Librarian's Lounge mm-hmm. uh, come up first round and then you never see it again. And you're like, but I, I needed to move my things. Yeah. And I mean, even there's a lot of different books. There's like 500 different books on 150 cards. So, oh, yeah. And you're not even going to see all of the cards in a game. So there's definitely different plays that you can do through the game with that. Also, I like the different little meeples for the librarians that you get. They are cute. They are really nice. And the fact that there's other libraries and everybody gets their own special ability, whether Mm -hmm. it's um, the wizard, which I think is a little overpowered. Uh, The wizard has the ability to, whenever he shelves a book, he can kind of put it anywhere in between things. You can move any row of books over one to accommodate the new book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Versus, like, the snowman. Once the snowman goes somewhere, nobody else can go there because they're flooded out or whatever, mm-hmm. or it's just too cold. So yeah. it allows you to lock out a location such as like the library's lounge um, or the shelf builder's guild, where it's really important. Mm-hmm. Things didn't really care for. I know you mentioned this. It's pretty much knowing the alphabet, but I think they combat that a little bit by giving you like the reference on the side of your board. I, I don't know what it is. I know my alphabet. I, I can sing my ABCs with the best of them, and I can read the book. I can read the little thing, but somehow I, I always have something out of order at the end, and it's not intentional. It's like, I'm going to play this really cool card. Nope, it was out of order. It happens every now and then. Every game, Doug. Every game? Every game. Is it, is it just letter and not number, or is it just number sometimes? Oh, it's almost always the letter. Okay. There was one I, I played intentionally, hope, and then they locked me out of the library's lounge. Or Librarian's Lounge. Uh, but there was a couple others that were just completely unintentional, hmm. where I play the wrong card. It can happen sometimes. Uh, a little bit uh, on the location cards, it's the small text on it for what the location actually does. Yeah. Plus it's fairly faint on it if you got some bright artwork on the location and it's white on top of that, white lettering on top of that. It's a little bit hard to read. Or just need extreme glasses. I'd yeah, that too. I was trying to teach a lady and she was um, having issues reading it. Hmm. It happens every now and then. Um, also, the star player token is a little almost dis- like an afterthought. Here, <laughs> have this glass bead. This is the star player token. That's all that it is. <laughs> Here's these awesome robot meeples and this cool mummy meeple. And this plastic and f- gelatinous cube. Because there's a gelatinous cube. But no, here's this glass bead as a start player marker. I would have liked it to be like here's a, a flattened marble. 
for like checking it because I mean even the scoreboard it's just a reference checkboard for Dude, so that was actually else. one of my favorite things about this game is the scoreboard and the fact it came on a whiteboard with a whiteboard marker Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is tally up how many you have of each book, and somebody just goes around and goes, all right, this is your score. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but, I mean, they could have just used something like that. Even, like, a small book with a bookmark on it. Yeah. Or, like, a nameplate for Grand Librarian. Or something. Something it's like that. Eh. The glass bead is a little disappointing compared to all of the rest of the materials that come in here. Yeah. So I really like this game. Definitely one I would recommend it to other people. Oh, kinda. absolutely. I've already picked up my copy. Yes, you have. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> definitely recommend it to people getting into the hobby. It's kind of a great starter game. Well, it's a nice and easy pickup. It, it's a little bit like Catan where it can be played very easily by anybody. Mm-hmm. Who can just, read. Yeah, people who can read and know the alphabet. Which, I mean, it's for... Isn't apparently for, not me. Yeah, 10-year-olds, so... Suppose it should stop bugging Doug so he can do the send off. I hate send-off. you so much right now as I clicked it and you just, <laughs> nope, this, this is what Doug is going to do. Just ruin everything. Keep that part and just do the. Yeah, anyway, so thanks again for tuning in to another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. Want to give a shout out to Mike, who stopped in here the other day as we were recording this. Uh, who actually just started listening to us. So yeah. It's it a very kind of coincidence that he managed to stop into the game store. While we were recording. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Send us a link if you want us to review a game or have a game for us to review. Yeah. A, a game for us to review. Uh, at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com or the Geeks of Cascadia Facebook page. Yeah. Facebook.com slash Geeks of Cascadia, or our Facebook page, Games Plus Wall. You can also reach out to us over on there. Or if you're bored, come play a game. Yeah, come play a game. We will play Ex Libris almost all the time. Or Eldorado. Or Eldorado, yeah. That one's pretty good. We have a lot to choose from. Bye, guys. See you later. Well, that was the review of Ex Libris, which sounds awesome. And I actually have the box in front of me, and the art is so vibrant and oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Very colorful. It's, it's yeah, it, it looks it looks really great. And so you were saying kind of earlier, like, there's a mechanism where you said you almost have to put things in alphabetical order. Yeah, um, kind of here on the box, this would be someone's collection. Mm-hmm. And so you have your, your tableau in front mm-hmm. of you. And you've got three rows of books that you're trying to do. And they have their, I think that's H's, and then M's and P's on the second row. So you're kind of trying to build your uh, bookshelf that way. And you're limited because you have to put a card next to another card, Mm -hmm. orthogonally. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But there are other, there's different locations that can let you shift cards. Mm -hmm. One, as you shelve a card into it. There's even uh, one of the special libraries that lets you do that every time you use that wizard character to shell the card. So, so you see this as a potential winner uh, when we do our end of the year review? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. We've got quite a few to go through, but... Renegade, uh-huh. I feel like, has just been on fire. Like, I mean, like every game I've tried of theirs... Yeah. I really liked. And so whenever there whenever any of their stuff has gone on Kickstarter, I've just been like 
because you know they pub they self publish some that mm-hmm. they don't put on Kickstarter, you know, straight to the factory, and then sometimes they Kickstarter, but they're just stuff. I just has it's been like for me, it's been like the Image Comics where I feel like there's that consistency. They've been really mm-hmm. consistent, and with quality games, it's. They've been becoming one of my favorite companies up there with uh, Stonemaier games, which I like a lot too. Uh, I don't want to say this because I'm—I think the artist for this did Vitaculture. That's Beth Sobel, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's a local artist. Beth Sobel is right? great. Yeah. Yep, I don't see it on the back, but I—I want to be surprised because she can do anything. Like you could say, "Oh, but this looks mm-hmm. different than her usual stuff." Oh, but it's still hard because she. And just yeah. do all that stuff. So, Doug, what, what do you got uh, going on maybe in the next coming weeks in uh, tabletop games? Uh, as far as for reviews, uh, we're working on doing Palace of Mad King Ludwig and mm-hmm. what was the other one we did? Dinosaur Island. Okay. Oh, Finally looking at like, like so a lot of stuff on the social so about dinosaur bright. Island. Oh, yeah. And it is so great. bright. Is, is that where the the uh, dinosaurs evolve and everything and then it game ends when the, the big meteorite hits no that's something different that's dominant species okay, okay. I saw that that's called it, science it, it, yeah. that, yes it is called science but this one is everyone basically everyone knows dinosaurs never actually existed that's right and the this, earth is only 3500 years old but anyway go ahead no <laughs> uh, I like that uh, Beth Sobel did not do the art oh yes. but I wouldn't be surprised because how beautiful it is uh, the illustration was done by I'm going to go with Jacques Davis or Jokai Davis and then the graphic design was um, Adam McClever and Anita Osborne awesome MacGyver. MacGyver so one of the games we yes. did had artwork from her not, so. <laughs> she can, not this one mm-hmm. she blows my mind her and there's uh, the Miko they can put out. He's done all the um, all the Valeria art games. He's done. I mean, all the you know what was it? Um, Explorers of the North, um, of the Raiders North. of the North Sea yeah, okay, Raiders, yeah, and so that guy's art very unique, um, very vibrant stuff. But both of them, I just mm-hmm. feel like I don't know if they never sleep and they work, but they put out so much. But it's quality. It's not like the... Yeah. I always like mm-hmm. use comics as an example. It's not like where you had some of the stuff in the 90s where the illustrators were rushed to hurry up and put something out that they were like, oh, they kind of like half... More muscles. Some of the More stuff. muscles. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's Bigger guns. All of it's quality. Yeah. Guns. Well, I was waiting for the, the late people mm-hmm. to show up. Um, I was shopping around the store, <laughs> and I kept picking up games. Thing I heard about this, everyone likes this game. I kept picking up Renegade games. Yeah. They're so, on fire, yeah. yeah. I think we've reviewed... Five or six of them so far. Okay, so it, it's quite a few. So, and uh, what do you guys have? You guys checking out the, any of the Kickstarters? Anything good out there right now? I know Joe, you had mentioned <sighs> this has been a rough few months for a reason. Is mm-hmm. because there's been so much good stuff, and it's blowing the it's it's blowing up. But Dice thankfully, got a season two got thrown up there. It's kind of a Yahtzee style mm-hmm. fighting game okay. mm. uh, with dice, obviously. Okay. Um, that one just got to put up there, so I'm I'm expecting them to do another reprint for season one. So we'll be getting that back in. Uh, I just got my Zombicide Green Horde corset in. Okay. That we'll be doing an unboxing for. Probably Ooh, all right. So. Plus I have Feudum is on its way. That mm-hmm. is, it's like a three or four foot player board. Very heavy Euro mm. game. So, isn't Planet of the Apes supposed to kick soon? So, yeah, we interviewed like that guy. Game? We interviewed that yeah, guy. Wasn't it? I think in May he had mentioned that, right? I think that was late March. Oh, 
I don't know. That's a previous podcast if you want to listen to that. That's right. There is, um, <laughs> speaking of the Miko, there is a really cool dice throwing game on there with variable powers called Dice Settlers. And it's not a roll and write because so so much now, I, whenever I see a dice game, I naturally think roll and write because they've been kind of blowing up. But that game um, looks really good. It's lots of stretch goals. Um, the one that I'm the most excited about is Chronicles of Crime. Have you seen that on Kickstarter? No. So it's got nine days left. Their goal was 15000 They have gotten 413000 Um It's from Lucky Duck Games, who has done um, uh, what is the Vikings game? Vikings. Oh, Vikings Out of control. Land. Yeah. There's Vikings Gone Wild. There Vikings you go. Vikings Gone Wild, yeah. Which I, I played yeah. and I loved. And Vikings Gone Wild <laughs> is literally a card version of, I feel like, a real-time strategy game like um, Warcraft, or it made me think of something like that, where it's like, you need to build up your command center, then have your barracks. Your barracks will let you build these guys, but you can't build the bigger guys unless you get your academy, and then, and so it was a card game, but they put this game out called Chronicles of Crime, that is a, a card game, and there's like the little QR codes on every character and on every location, and it's a co-op game, and you work together with everyone, and there are different stories, more or less. And so it'll say, you know, scan the police chief. And then he's like, hey, you need to go investigate this. And then you okay, and you scan the location. This is the best part. When you scan the location, you can, with your phone, um, what's that called? Not altered reality. Augmented reality. Augmented reality. Mm-hmm. You stand there, and if you're holding your phone in front of you, you can look up like into the trees, down to the ground, oh, wow. as if you were viewing the actual crime scene through your phone oh, wow. to okay, pick up cool. clues. And cool. while you're doing this, you can have your friend be writing it down. And so that's a really cool concept. Now, the cool part is you can't just take your time. Each action you do takes a certain amount of time. So, for instance, to look at the crime scene, you only get to look at it for one minute. It costs one, like, say, time point. If you want your friend to also look mm-hmm. at it, like, here you go. It's another time point for them to look at it, too. Hmm. So if you just keep going around looking, talking to all these witnesses, you're going to run out of time. Oh, you wow. need to really, like, That's strategically think about it. And then they've hit so many stretch goals that they have add-ons, including, which is my biggest exciting one, is, like, an 80s-style, like, game. Like, something that happened nice. in the 80s. It kind of gives me that feel of um, not necessarily Stranger Things, but um, the Marcy case. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Time Stories and kind of that art. So, anyways, I've been pretty pumped <laughs> about right. that. I would check it out. It's called Chronicles of Crime. All right, and it's yeah, it's doing well. We'll check it out, and hopefully, I'll get this posted before <laughs> the camera goes out. Nine days. I think I will. I think it's, I will. Yeah, it looks cool. So, anything else before we sign off, guys? Black I, Panther was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. It's. I'm gonna say is the best Marvel movie. I'm gonna say it. I'm no, just throwing it out no. there. I tell it was, you what, I, it was I, the best. I, I entarily disagree. Until Captain Marvel comes it. out, I think. Yeah, I loved it too. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was the best, but it was pretty I good. I just w- watched The Avengers with fresh eyes. Yeah, not by a lot. It is such a good movie. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's like, it's amazing. Like the first one or the, first the second one? one. Yeah, the first, first one. Because okay. it's called yeah. The Avengers. Well, yeah. Black Panther wasn't what it should have been. Why? Go away. <laughs> oh, I hear this. It did not further the universe. The character himself learned nothing. Yes, it was a great movie. However, it's what I expected from Marvel four years ago. He learned humility. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Not really. Yeah, well, think about it at the end. He decided that instead of hoarding all their technology <laughs> to share it with the world That's to better, mm-hmm. even created, even That's was going to create anyway. that school specifically in the town of his technically nephew. 
nephew, no cousin. So, so folks, check out our new segment called Marvel Movie Reviews with. With uh, with Joe and Kelly, Joe and, and that'll Kelly. come up yeah. next podcast. <laughs> but with that, I think we're going to sign off. So embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that same throw. Cascadia podcast. Oh no, it is recording. Hey, look at that.